0: Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. I'm Jorge Martin. Gracias for joining us. And I got to tell you, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it because today we're joined by una invitada de mis favoritas. She's a return guest and someone I've known for quite a while since my Dodger days. She's risen to great heights. In fact, all the way to the Super Bowl, el Super Bowl. Uh, Carmen Vitale, uh, you know, I, I, again, like I said, she, she, was back, interned back in my dodger days apparently she was paying either paying attention or learned enough by not paying attention to uh <laughs> now she's a writer for buccaneers.com what enjoy she caught All of the fun times uh, on the Super Bowl, on that incredible Super Bowl, Uh, and I tell you, everybody, if you haven't caught her breakdowns, you uh, you know you need to because she does film study that's as good as it gets. She breaks down, you know, she breaks down plays. I mean, it is just awesome, and I I tell you, it this is something that is very actionable for fantasy because you could see what's you know what's what's going to be happening. So, uh, Carmen, welcome, Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me anytime. I'm always glad to come on with you and talk to you. And um, I largely credit you, I've said this before, with um, getting my start in pro sports as far as the editorial of writing goes because you gave me a shot on Dodger Magazine um, when I was just a little PR intern doing all the old stats. But you let me kind of flex my creative muscles and you let me do a few really amazing features with some amazing people. So uh, it was it really instilled a lot of confidence in me that I could do this. So now I, now I do.
0: Oh, my goodness. From, yeah, you're going from, you know, being be, being a peer intern interviewing Steve Garvey to now you got uh, you, you're interviewing the goat and Gronk. So <laughs> just li- living that living that dream. And I, I'm just I, I, you know, how incredible I, before we get into like the position by position stuff. I mean, you live the Super Bowl in your adopted backyard, which is just a lifetime experience. And uh, you know, and you know, since since you do work for the team, I, I you know, you get you get that feeling of of uh, of winning that way. But how cool was it to see this team, you know, win all those games on the road and then win the game in your backyard?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, when you think about paths to the Super Bowl, it's really funny because now people are like win a real ring, all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, this is as real as it gets. You went through four division winners. You went, you were on the road the entire time until you got to ultimately come home from the Super Bowl. Um, I do think that that made a huge difference because it was really funny, those weeks leading up to the Super Bowl at practice, you know, we're practicing on our normal field and the Bucks training facility is right across from the stadium. So you see the Super Bowl signage up on the stadium. It's like the backdrop of practice. So it's just a constant reminder of where you're going to play, what your goal was, uh, and that was true throughout the whole season, you know, knowing that the Super Bowl was going to be there. I think these guys had a very tangible reminder of what their goal was because it was right there in front of them. And I think they got to keep a lot of things really normal. And we all got to keep a lot of things really normal. It almost, and especially with COVID, the the kind of lead up to it, I think was a little subdued just because it almost kind of felt like a normal game. And I think that that paid off though for the team tremendously because, you know, they got to sleep in their own beds leading up to the game, um, except for the night before, obviously. But coming from the hotel but they got to you know just kind of experience things as they normally do so it was like any other game for them um and it obviously you know they knew exactly what they were doing coming and I'd never seen a team so confident I'd never seen our team so confident as like that first week of prep I mean these guys just did not entertain any possibility of them losing and it was awesome it was really really cool I cried a lot <laughs>
0: Do you do you do you have a favorite story from either post game celebration uh, or parade or uh, anything any anyone anything that you'd lo- you'd like to share? Stories
1: I can tell on camera. <laughs> you
0: can, on camera, I, can <laughs> tell on camera, please. I can tell on camera. You'll tell me the good ones when we take when we stop recording. Right.
1: Oh, there's just, there was, I mean, there was so much uh, that happened on, but I honestly was, we were on. Uh, it was after the boat parade, and we went to like we got off the boats in the Florida at the Florida Aquarium for like this little rally kind of thing. Which and it was just with the team. Um, there wasn't like mass amounts of crowds, you know, allowed around there because of COVID. Um, but it was. It was just the team. It was their families. It was everyone that was on the boats. And there was one point on stage where um, these guys are giving speeches, and they're in various stages of inebriation. Um, but they start talking about this team and like giving shout outs, all this other stuff. And it kind of starts winding down and Levante David takes the mic and Levante is the longest tenured buck on this roster. And, you know, he goes criminally underrated. I know it doesn't matter as much for fantasy because he's a defensive player. He's a linebacker, but um, you know, he just doesn't, he's never gotten the appreciation he deserves. And his stats are up there with the best every year, year in, year out. And so they kind of hand it off to him as like this grand finale and he's like wait a second none of us shouted out coach bowls this defense doesn't go that performance doesn't happen unless this man right here does his thing and he's the best defensive coordinator like he just like in the crowd just like erupted and bowles is like in the back of the crowd and he's like putting his head down like his family's right there he's like I don't want to hear this like stop but Levante I have it all on video and I think I posted it to my Instagram. Um but that was just really cute because it's you know levante who deserves all the credit in the world but in that moment he's still giving it to someone else who also deserves it doesn't maybe get it as much as he should so these guys are just so in tune with one another they love each other so much they have so much fun with each other um and they appreciate one another you know across the sides of the ball so i just that was so much fun for me to see i was was watching backstage and i like almost started tearing up again but that was also probably tequila induced that's okay (laughs) <laughs>
0: avocado tequila.
1: <laughs> Not avocado tequila. Not avocado tequila. As a joke, actually, someone sent our backup quarterback, Ryan Griffin, a bunch of avocados. Like Ooh. crates of avocados. And he's like, What am I supposed to do with this? Like, it was an avocado tequila company. And like they like they make it. It's so, like they send him bottles and they also send him all these avocados. He's like, What am I supposed to do with this? So they literally put it, had to put it outside their house with the a sign like free avocados, just take that.
0: It's a, it's a guacamole party. Come
1: on. It's, right? it's awesome. I'm like, Griff, why didn't you tell me about that? I want to come over.
0: <laughs> so I, 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 you know, you, you talked about the, the boat parade and everything. Did you have a, a look at a, any kind of view of the trophy toss?
1: <laughs> no, um, I, we were not. I don't, yeah, we were like, so the other secret to this boat parade is that's not the first or the last trophy toss that happened—it's just the one that got all the attention. Um, at one point, there was one where Mike Evans threw it to Blaine Gabbert. Um, Bruce, Bruce was like, "How do you think the boat got on, or the trophy got on Tom's boat? I threw it to him." So, like, <laughs> so like there was like a little bit of trophy hopping, but I didn't see that toss. I did not have a view of that toss. But then, you know, I, I'm checking online and I'm like oh my god I think like I did I saw it on my Twitter because I was having to monitor that from like my job I actually had to work a little bit during that um but like I was on the defensive boat so I like looked at it I was like oh my god and I like showed it to a bunch of the like people on on the boat and I was like you guys Tom just tossed it to Cam across the water (laughs) and I was like no way did he really do that (laughs) it was fun (laughs)
0: Oh man! Oh, hey, you know what? When you're the goat, you can do those kind of things. And I guess when you when you know that, and these are world class athletes with great hands. So yeah, that's trust. It's it's part of the trust tree, right?
1: It's Part of the trust tree. I mean, like you know that he's going to trust Cam with whatever now. Cam now Cam Bray now leads um leads the league in Lombardi Trophy receptions. So that's a fun fun fantasy fact. I don't know if that plays into it at all, but he leads the league in
0: extra points for that. <laughs> right. So they the, so this year they're going from being the hunters, you know, because they were they were wild card going in there. Not too many, only only a handful of teams. Very few, I think it's only been two or three that have won that have won out of the wild card spot. Now they're going from the hunters to the hunted. How uh, how is the team kind of approaching that? And and in a way, is Brady like the perfect leader for that because he's been the hunted for twenty years,
1: forever. Yeah, no, he is a hundred percent, and I think that. He just has a very firm grasp on what it means to get every team's best game. Like every team is going to give you a hundred percent, you know, point blank period. There's just, there's no other option because you have a target on your back. So that game is circled for every team. And that's a very unique position to be in, but it's one that Brady's been in seven times now. (laughs) So he's, and he's the only one to be able to say that. So I think he's already kind of started with the, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you gotta forget about yes, Devin. Um, <laughs> you gotta forget about what happened last year that has no bearing on this year. Um, you know, you you haven't done anything yet, and now you're about to get the best of every single team you face. So you better have, to, you know, give your best every single game. But I think they're up to the task just because, you know, the continuity of all the Super Bowl starters coming back, but then also just more familiarity with the systems that they're in. This will be the third year under the, you know, the with the defense staying relatively the same, um, you know, in this defensive scheme, and Todd Bowles just gets more and more creative as the years go on, and Brady now has a very firm grasp on this system, which apparently he didn't have until about halfway through the season last year. And and I wanted, yeah, and I wanted to ask
0: you about that because it seemed like there there was the buy late in the season. Yeah, right before the final four games, and then I was looking up the stats just before we came on. And you for those not. four games, he had three. He averaged three hundred thirty-three yards and threw twelve touchdowns against one interception. And mm-hmm. the big thing, you know, so many people talk about the Bruce offense. You want to throw downfield. You want to take your chances. You want, right. you know, the offensive line had to, did did a great job of uh, creating a pocket for him. What did you see that changed at, at or improved at that point, and how? does it carry over into 2021?
1: I think, I mean, you can't, there has to be a balance between your, like the system you're in, your coach's system, and then your strengths and what you're used to doing. And when Brady came in, I mean, those two things were very opposite. You know, he was, the the, the offense he ran at New England was very different from a Bruce, offense, a Bruce Arian's offense. And you can't mesh those two together unless you understand both. So I just think that the understanding came in from Brady where he you know, kind of just got a little bit more baptism by fire, basically, because there was hardly any preseason um, into the system where he now finally understood it. And so then he could start to manipulate it in a way that worked for him and worked for the ways that he understands the game and how he's viewing it. Um, and I think that just takes time. And I think it usually takes more time uh, than what he was given, but it was, you're right. It was those last four games. I mean, and then the bucks, like the offense just, I don't think put up less than 30 points in any of those games and just was all, you know, they were just very, very cohesive. And I think that they had kind of, that had kind of been the goal all along. Um, I've heard Tom say a few things along the lines, especially in interviews and stuff where, you know, he was telling his teammates, you want to play your best football at the end of the season going into the playoffs like that's when you want to play your best football so I think that that was always in the back of their head while they were going through the first part of the season where it was like all right yeah there's some bumps in the row we're not like firing as, as much as we would want to we're not as comfortable as we want to be but that's okay because we're still figuring it out you know come the last part of the season especially with that late bye week which initially seemed like a bad thing it turned out to be a pretty good thing gave them a really good marker to be like all right by this time this is when we should start playing our best football and that's what happened. And I think the more you know that happened, that gave them all the confidence to go into Washington, to go into New Orleans, to go into Green Bay um, in those in the postseason, and just keep building on what they had already built. And that was really it. Was really cool to see because it just seemed like Brady had the plan the whole time. So <laughs> I mean, that comes with twenty years of experience in the league. I don't know. <clears throat>
0: It is incredible. I mean, he's going to be forty age forty four this season. You know, he just came. He's coming off his the season where he threw 42 touchdowns, the second most in his career. Yeah. It, you know, when you look at this, um, I, I mean, I, I just I, I don't know if there's any way that to. I'm, I'm is is it crazy to think that he could actually improve on uh, on that on last season?
1: I don't think it's crazy. I think it's going to happen. Um, Again, just for the same reasons of now you've got a firm grasp on what works and what you can bring to the table and how you can mesh these two kind of concepts and ideals. Um, And he's just like, the timing is everything, especially in Bruce's offense that requires Mm -hmm. so many option routes with receivers and stuff like that. Like you have to know your receivers inside and outside. And that's something Brady's already always had anyway in New England, but it's something that only comes with time you can't just automatically know like how long it takes Mike Evans to run a nine or run, you know, run a step. Like he knows now and he's got a feel for some of these guys and how they, like where he needs to place the ball and what their catch radius is and all this other stuff that you don't think about really. Um, But it gets very, very technical and there's no substitute for just reps and he's going to have those reps with these guys. So I would be shocked if he doesn't get better, if, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get the 50 touchdown mark again. Um, but I mean, after getting 42 touchdowns, I don't know. Actually, no, 40. He got. Was he was 40. responsible for 43 total. Right. Because he had rushing touchdowns. Right. Um, which I found funny because he was 43 years old and responsible for 40 touchdowns. <laughs> um, So I don't know. Maybe maybe he just improved by one and he gets 44 touchdowns <laughs> this year. We'll see. He's just, he's just going with his age. So,
0: I mean, you know, you, met, you, you mentioned Mike Evans, and I mean, let's talk about the receivers. The 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 receiving core is coming back. I mean, obviously, this is the first team since 1977 to bring back the 1977 Raiders uh, Super Bowl champion to bring back the entire roster. You got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown as the big three. All three of them dealt with some some level of injuries last year, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Godwin obviously was uh, had had a couple of different ones. I mean, when you look at this group uh, uh, of three, how, first off, how is their health coming into training camp? And mm-hmm. how is it, does it look like an even distribution? What kind of targets do you see each each of the, those three getting this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, Brady, first of all, their health is, you know, I think that my, Bruce Arian said that Mike Evans looks the best, that he's seen him look at this point in the year um, during rookie minicamp or mandatory minicamp um that he's ever seen so that's really encouraging with mike i think mike has also keeps learning how to kind of take care of his body i think tb12 method the tb12 method has had something to do with that um because i mean he's he's largely relied a lot on his talent um because he he's just so incredibly talented but now he's realizing as he's getting a little bit older even though he's only like 26 or i don't even know 27 um he's so young oh no i think he's only like 26 um but he's learning though that you know his body takes a beating every season and he needs to kind of keep it up a little bit more and um now he's coming in better conditioned and I really hope that that yields good results as far as injuries go um there was nothing scarier than the last game of the season when he hyperextended his knee right after getting the thousand yard mark uh he literally got the thousand yards and the very next play, my, Brady went back to him for a touchdown in the end zone and he slid and hyperextended his knee. And we all, I mean, I like stomach dropped. I'm like, this man needs to go to the playoffs. No, no, no. Like the Bucks knew they were in the playoffs at that point. So I was like, no, but he came back the very next, the very next week and bounced back somehow, which is insane to think. Um, but Chris, Chris is getting there. He's had a, he had a few couple like minor procedures, but mm-hmm. um he's getting back and he is someone that meticulously takes care of himself um, down to like the calorie. Like he knows exactly what's going in his body. Uh, His now wife is, uh, she's a very big, she's like kind of a bodybuilder fitness expert. Um, That's what she went to school for and she takes care of herself too. So they kind of feed off each other when it comes to that and she keeps him accountable. So he does everything he possibly can to stay healthy every single year and you know, other than a few minor issues that he's had and a couple of games that he's missed, he's been largely healthy. Um, AB was working out for uh, all pretty much all of OTAs. Like he was kind of on the sides. Um, he was around and he was working out with trainers and stuff like that to kind of get himself back to game shape. But I, I anticipate all of them being great um, going into training camp and probably splitting things pretty evenly just because that's Brady's nature. Um you know, he takes the open man and that's not going to be the same guy every single time. Unfortunately, like teams know about Mike Evans, teams know about Chris Godwin and teams obviously know about Antonio Brown. So um, they're going to try and play them in different ways. And I think it's just going to be dictated honestly by opponent and uh, who they decide that they need to shut down that game. Um, But I just hope that Mike gets to a thousand yards because I want him to extend his NFL record of uh, get to eight seasons with a thousand yards eight consecutive seasons to start a career with a thousand yards. He did that or he's, he's done, he's done seven. He broke Randy Moss's record. No one really talks about it on a national level. And I'm like, yeah, Mike Evans is pretty productive and pretty good. He had 13 touchdowns last year. It's fine. And to
0: do it <laughs> and to do it, to start a career. I mean, think of all the great right. receivers that have been out there. Jerry Rice didn't do it. Yeah. Antonio Brown didn't do it. I mean, it just uh, from, from, to be great, that great from the start of the career.
1: From the jump. Right. Right. Income. So yeah, he's, he's been it. He's been that guy. Do,
0: do, do you do you see him as being kind of the, you know he's he's such he's such a target near the goal line because he's so mm-hmm. much bigger than than defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see him being more of that 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 red zone target where and and Godwin being in in the slot being you know kind of eating up the a lot of targets uh, you know between the twenties.
1: Yeah, it was interesting for me to watch last year because traditionally, yeah, that's kind of been Mike Evans' role, and he's always been kind uh, of one of that true outside receiver, that true X receiver. But this year, I found that I saw him in the slot sometimes, and I saw him in different alignments, and I saw you know them just kind of confusing. I don't. It was I don't know again if it was opponent specific or not, but he was utilized in a lot of different ways and a lot of short yardage even. Um, and I was, it was just really interesting to me to see him, you you know, utilize these intermediate crossing routes and stuff like that. Whereas traditionally, again, it would have been like, all right, Mike, go run a fade. And then, you know, you hit him down the sideline and boom, you get a touchdown. But, um, he is bigger. And I think obviously that does make him a better red zone target, but you have to also keep in mind, like the guy throwing them the ball knows exactly where to place balls, whoever he's throwing to. So the best thing I ever heard about Tom Brady is that he throws good incompletions And it's true, you can see it in, I saw it again in mandatory minicamp, where I'm like, I'm looking at this, and yeah, it was an incompletion, but there was no way the defensive back had any chance to get that ball, to touch that ball. It was like, it was either the receiver was going to catch it, or no one was. And Tom Brady is so, so good at that. And so the bigger body, it usually pays off in the red zone, and I have no doubt that it will again. But it's not, you're not limited to bigger bodies in the red zone because of that. And like we saw in the Super Bowl, I just think about Antonio Brown's touchdown where he caught it like kind of down low in himself. It like went into like almost his pelvis and he like fell across the goal line. And that's like, that's where he caught it. And I'm like, Antonio Brown's not a big dude, but Brady knew knew exactly where to put it so that he puts it down lower. Brown can go get it. And these other, you know, he had like three defenders on him but it didn't matter because he knew exactly where to place it. So when you see stuff like that, I have a hard time thinking that, you know, they're just gonna go to Mike Mm -hmm. in the red zone. Um, But Chris Godwin is just really good to be utilized all over the place. And I think also, you know, in the red zone too. So I'd have to relook up the stats for him. But at one point I looked up um, how many of his touchdowns had come inside the red zone. And it was a pretty, it was, was, it was a majority even with Chris Godwin. So I think he's someone to watch too in those situations, not just between the twenties.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm really big on, I think uh, Chris Godwin's running, going a little under the radar this year, because Mm -hmm. I think, I think people from a fantasy standpoint, they look too much at the last year. I think, uh, oh, and and if a player missed time, they look at the stats and like, oh, he's not that good. I I think from a psychological standpoint, people kind of undervalue players that way. And that's why I'm just kind of like, no, no, no. Do not sleep on Chris Godwin because this guy's good. Yeah, Um, he's great. A couple players who uh, who had their moments, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. uh, Mm -hmm. Is it is it just a numbers game where, you know, it's going to it's going to be tough for them to really become big parts of the offense just because the other three guys, the, the big three in front of them are going to be big time targets.
1: I mean, I think it's not only you are just taking into account the big three in front of them, but also guys like Gronk, guys like Cam Brady. how much Tom Brady wants to utilize the running backs in the passing game. So You're now splitting, you know, you're splitting reps with Rojo with Leonard Fournette. There's just a plethora of offensive weapons that it makes it really hard to spread them out to everybody. There's only so many balls to go around. Um, And I do think that, you know, guys like Scotty Miller, and we need to kind of maybe see more of Tyler Johnson, but there were a couple crucial catches that Tyler Johnson had last season. And you know, that Brady trusts who's ever out on the field, which is really cool to see. Um, But I do think that like Scotty has kind of carved out a role as more of that guy that needs to stretch the field. He's one more of that deep threat guy, you know, whether it's as a decoy, whether it's to actually catch the pass, like we saw in the Packers game right before the, the halftime in the NFC championship. Um, he has those kind of duties, but I don't know that it's ever going to be anything significant because of, like you said, you've got the three receivers ahead of you, but then you also have some great tight ends, some great receiving tight ends. Um, and you've got these running backs that are working on being pass catchers too, because you know that that's how Brady likes to use them. So yeah, um, those two, I think that they will be rising stars. I don't know that it's going to be anytime soon just because of the fact that they've got three of the best receivers in the league out of them. Yeah. It's that's tough. just the reality. So
0: well, another area that has, that's just got a, almost an embarrassment of riches and in, in talent is the backfield. And you've got you mentioned Rojo, Ronald Jones. Leonard Fournette uh playoff Lenny was was huge uh added Gio Bernard you still have Kashan Vaughn coming back from uh being being a, a a high draft pick the year before last year mm-hmm. can you help me and fantasy players kind of make sense of this backfield or is it gonna or, or is it gonna be just you know from a week to week basis that, that you know kind of like an even even committee
1: yeah, I, I, when I have to look at this through a fantasy lens, I feel like I never have good news to share. From a team perspective, it's awesome because when you're going against an opponent, they don't know who you're planning on utilizing more, and they don't know who to look out for between, especially with that backfield, and now adding Gio Bernard um, to be that kind of featured third down back. Um, I and from a fantasy perspective, it kind of sucks because yeah. you never know who's going to pop off, who's going to have a hundred and something yard game. Um, and I, that's just kind of how these guys have decided to play it. And I really like that approach, again, from a team perspective, because I do think it's just going to depend on they said, you know, it's whoever has the hot hand and then they proved it. That's what the coaches said. It's very rare. I feel like that you hear coaches actually say what ends up happening. Um, but it's because it's such an advantage for them. So they don't even care if they're like, yeah, we're just going to go with whoever's hot. And they do. And again, like the team itself um, has a trust in all of these guys. The offensive line now knows Rojo. They now know Leonard Burnett. They don't really know Gio as much, but um, Gio should pretty, get pretty up to speed. He was at OTAs among all these rookies because he wanted to get to know his teammates a little bit more in the system and all that kind of stuff. So he's going to fit in pretty well um yeah and then Keyshawn Vaughn you know is again one of those like kind of victim of the numbers type thing but he also gets to learn behind some of the best running backs that you know you, you could learn from um and again we'll probably I think he's one of those future guys just like Tyler Johnson is his fellow draft mate um and just like Scotty Miller guys like that so yeah I, I don't really have good news for fantasy of these guys because you just never you really don't know and I I wish I could tell you something better but I can't (laughs) because it's by design
0: and you know what it's it's one of those things and I've heard other beat writers uh talking about this that that teams are becoming so conscious of that 17th game Mm -hmm. and running back is so so physically demanding that I think they're doing it to try and keep many healthy bodies available especially when you've got designs on playing in january and february so mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it it sucks for the people who play fantasy but <laughs> right. you know hey you know what um as uh you know uh, fan, playing playing well for fantasy doesn't help teams win Super Bowls. so as can,
1: as you're right. tell that's that's the reality of, of it but i also you know i don't think i don't know that blender fournette ends up being playoff landing in the postseason if he's Tired and beaten down, and had been utilized for the prior 16 games, um, and then you know, soon to be 17 games. I don't know if you know he's as fresh, and I don't know if he's as productive then in the postseason. So maybe you gravitate towards Lenny in the postseason when you're you're in your postseason play, if you're doing postseason fantasy, those like one game playoff, whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, then you can do. You do then do, you can do. go. <laughs> daily fantasy, daily fantasy, the DFS yeah, is uh, is huge. I, I made a little money on that during the playoffs. So, <laughs> um, on, on the tight end side, you've got Gronk coming back. Who, I mean, I'm, you you smile every time you tell me a Gronk story. So i I, I love I love hearing seeing <laughs> he's what he's done. Um, you've got OJ Howard coming back from yeah. a pretty catastrophic injury. I mean, I right. think it was an Achilles, correct? It a was kind of Achilles. It was. which which is tough for skilled players to come back from. And you got Cameron Bright. So this team is – this tight end room is filled beyond belief. Um, you know, how do we make – is this almost like the, the, the running back group where, again, it's the hot hand?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because a lot of these guys – again, I guess it is like the running back group where they kind of have the same strengths other than – Gronk really – I know he joked about it at the beginning of last year where he was like, I'm a blocking tight end. But, like, he also is a blocking tight end. Like, he's yeah. one of the best receiving tight ends ever to play the game but he's probably the best overall tight end to ever play because his blocking is fantastic and that's what he did last season in the beginning just to kind of again get acclimated to the new system and and not have to you know have a lot of of that pressure on his shoulders especially when oj howard was still playing uh, before he got hurt and so Gronk kind of took on like that blocker role and i think he's gonna have to do some of that again not to the detriment necessarily of his – he still had like 600-something receiving yards uh, at the end of last year. And I don't think people really understood that like – yeah, it wasn't like the 1,000 or whatever. But like that's a pretty solid tight end, like like receiving total for a tight end. Um, and then I, it's going to be interesting to see. I think OJ will also have to be utilized in the blocking game just because he's so big. Cam is – big. I mean, he's big enough. He's like 6'5". But he's not, like, he's he's really not traditionally utilized as a blocker. He's always been kind of a pass-catching tight end. So Antonio O'Claire, who was the Bucs blocking tight end, uh, has now been, he was picked up in free agency by the Texans, I believe. So he's no longer with the team. So now you've got to figure out who's going to be that blocker um, and, and help out that offensive line. I think that's going to be a split, honestly, between Grok and O.J. Um, But I am really excited to see O.J. Kind of come back, and I think that you're going to try and get him. I think before he got hurt, you saw Brady getting him some really, some really good work uh, because he creates just the most insane matchup issues because he is so big, but he's also so fast. And he has worked really, really hard to get back from this Achilles injury, and he said that he's going to be ready to go um, by training camp. He was kept out of mandatory mini camp, but he was around again, and he was kind of itching to go, but I think the coaches were like, there's no reason to push you right now. And he now has the rest of the summer. So he's been working really, really diligently. um, And he can't wait to get back out there. So he's, it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of transpires. But I think that you're going to have to take into account that a couple of these guys are going to have to take on those blocking duties. Um, And, you know, Gronk is really, really good at it. (laughs) He's really, really good at everything. But he's a really, really, he's a really, really good blocker. I mean, he took on some, you know, the league's best defensive ends and just,
0: Oh, man. Well, speaking of the blockers, I mean, I I think I think this is and I know you're a big proponent of the offensive line and offensive line play. I think you were you know, you were uh, you told me you you were going to
1: get some lineman questions in here, even though I did.
0: I did. I had to. Well, you know what? The thing is, oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm someone who really values. I, I, mean, I look at offensive line play as, as a big part of fantasy football because of the fact that you know someone's got to make a make the line, uh, you know, make those holes for the running back. Someone's got to keep the quarterback upright so that he could throw the throw the touchdowns. So, I mean, this offensive line really gelled. You had the rookie come in, Ryan Jensen at at center, and really, especially during the playoffs, showed himself as one of the baddest, nastiest dudes around how important uh i I mean is is how important has this line been to the team's overall success and is it um you know and is this another one where hey just keep it going keep keep it going
1: yeah i mean you're gonna get alex kappa back who got hurt and uh after the first uh, playoff game in washington he didn't even know he broke his ankle he like just thought it was a sprain (laughs) he tried to keep playing and he's like, Oh, I guess I can't. So then you got Aaron Stinney that came in and Aaron Stinney's back as well. So like you got a lot of depth. You just drafted Robert Hainsey, who you're kind of grooming to be um, one of those backup interior guys. He's been getting a lot of work at center uh, recently, but I mean, you've got the big five that are going to be there and in a unit more than any other unit, this unit thrives obviously on consistency and continuity and they, that's what they're going to get. So it's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I don't under, I don't know that people understand how crucial they are to something like the running game. Like we our run game coordinator Harold Goodwin, he's traditionally an offensive line coach. Um but he's the run game coordinator for the Bucks and that, because he's the one that kind of makes it all go, that unit kind of makes it all go. Yeah, you've got these really great running backs in the backfield but like they don't have anywhere to go. Um they that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter how talented you are if your line doesn't hold up. Um, and not to mention, I mean, this line now has a feel for Brady himself and they, I know that they appreciate it. I've heard these guys talk about it so many times where, you know, they're like, Brady gets the ball out really quite quick, so he makes our jobs easier. And so when he does ask us to hold the ball a little bit longer, we're not as, you know, exhausted from having to do that all game because we don't have to do it all game. Um, so you can let those bigger plays develop when they're appropriate, but at the same time, Brady's released, you know, he's very smart about getting rid of the ball, even if he doesn't have anything and he, he can recognize defenses coming in on him. Um, so he doesn't put a lot of stress on the offensive line. And it really kept them pretty fresh and pretty injury free, um, with the exception of Ali Marpet, who had a concussion. And I honestly I like I like pointing that out, though. Not that I like that Ali got a concussion, but he was out for a couple of games and it took the Bucks a couple of tries to figure out how to account for his absence. So the very next game was the very, very, very forgettable Saints game that I really don't actually want to bring up um, in the regular season, which is on prime time for the entire nation to see. And Bucks only scored three points. It's Really great. But basically what they had tried to do was just kind of their swing guard. They just kind of tried to plug and play him for Ali Marpet, and it just didn't work. And so the very next game, they slid Ryan Jensen over to guard. They brought AQ Shipley, who was the backup center, who had just, come off of starting five seasons for the Arizona Cardinals at center. Um, big Bruce Arians has followed him with like with a bunch of Bruce's teams, plug him in at center. And then that worked, that worked really well. And the bucks bounced back immediately. And, you know, they were able to hold and basically play like they had until Ali Marpet got back. So I just want people to realize how much of a difference it makes especially like alleys on the interior. Like, yeah, I think people can see the value in tackles, but in guards, I mean, that's like some of that interior pressure that these teams are coming up with now. Um, it really makes a difference who you have in there and you need, you need that continuity again. So I always like bringing that up just because I want people to understand it's not just three, you know, five guys being like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna put my hands up and do this. It's like, it's, it takes a lot um, on, on these guys and it takes a lot of them playing together Um, and a lot, you know, so it, yeah, I just, I love, I love the offensive line. I love the defensive line. They just never get enough credit for what they do. So, you know.
0: Well, let's go to the other side of the ball because the defense was, uh, I mean, the defensive line, one of the best run defenses for the past couple of seasons uh, last year, there were a couple games. I mean, the, even with a great, uh, with so many talented defensive backs, there were a couple games. You mentioned the Saints game. There was the game against the, the, the first game against the chiefs, the regular season game. But um, when you, to me, one of the big things is matchups and, how much is this uh, is this team going to be um, – this defense going to be a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses if you could break down kind of like f- from the run game against the run game and in the pass game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good fantasy angle for it because when these guys are playing the Bucks defense, it's going to be very interesting. Again, I don't see them letting up at all on this run game because you now – I mean, for the majority of last season, you didn't have Vita Veya in that interior spot and it was that was extremely detrimental and i wrote a whole article basically about how different the bucks defense is when he's on the field and it's insane like that one man can have that much of of an impact on them but they do and so he's he's healthy he's ready to go he participated in mandatory mini camp you put him again next to a dominican sue um will goldstein goes really 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 underrated as far as this front goes because he actually led the team in quarterback hits last year and like ahead of us, ahead of Sue, ahead of Vita V, ahead of Shaq Barrett, ahead of, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul. And he's such a good run stuffer. And so like these guys just, they know the drill at this point. That was the very first thing that Todd Bowles instilled in these guys was, Hey, listen, starts up front. We're going to stop the run. You know, we're going to make these teams one dimensional and we're going to go from there. And that's what's happened. And now you start to see a little bit more creative pressure um, when it comes to the pass rush between JPP and Shaq Barrett, I'm super excited about the Bucks' number one pick or first, over, first round pick, Joe Tryon, out of Washington. He is an outside linebacker, but I he is just, he's so good already and he just gets it already. And I think he's going to be very, very interesting to watch this year, how he gets into the rotation and what they end up doing along that front. Um, but so that, I think he can play the run. He proved that at Washington, too. So you're going to have that. You're going to have this pass rush. And so these quarterbacks are going – I it's going to be very interesting. The first game of the season is going to conceivably be Dak Prescott's welcome back to the league, and oh, the Bucs yeah. plan to give it to him. So it's going to be very – you're going to test just how healthy Dak Prescott is because I would imagine that just like Patrick Mahomes was in the Super Bowl, Dak will be running for his life <laughs> with this front. And then that just helped, like frees up so much for the back end as well. Um, yeah. What was really interesting to me in the Super Bowl was how well the Bucs brought pressure with just four guys. Because then it, you needed the defensive backs, back at the you know the back levels, um, to account for all of the offensive weapons and the way that Patrick Mahomes can just get the ball off of his hand, even though he's literally horizontal. Um, you still needed those defensive backs, and I think that's where the Bucks are going to make their biggest improvement on defense is this pass defense. Um, because they know they can trust the guys up front to get pressure, whether it's four, whether it's five, and especially if it's four, that means you've got more help on the back end. Um, and I also think that you're going to see some stuff from the linebackers as far as – I know Devin White petitions all the time to get after the quarterback. Um, but you've also got one of the best coverage linebackers in Levante, David, who is really, really effective in the past game. He was great against Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl. Um, he can kind of take on those matchup – those guys that are supposed to be matchup nightmares Levante matches up against them pretty well, usually. So I love seeing that. And I, you know, these safeties and stuff, I think are going to take a bigger step forward. I can't wait to see what Antoine Winfield Jr. does. Um, He's been a ball hawk. So uh, in, in college, and then you kind of saw it a little bit last year, but I think even more so this year, you can look for a little bit more of these interceptions from this bug's secondary, especially, I think that that's their goal. So we'll see.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Oh yeah. You filled us with incredible stuff. So, uh, I yeah, maybe I got one more fun one. Okay. Uh, I know, you know, I know you had great tacos when you were in LA, but, uh, mm-hmm. tell me about, uh, what, 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 some of your favorites, uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite in Tampa?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, there are some good spots here. There was, I told you before, but there's like, there's a place that closed that was really good. It was like a taqueria slash grocery store that, you know, one of those good ones that you always find in LA stuff like that. But I mean, in LA, you find the best tacos on the street, um, as it is, that doesn't exist here, unfortunately, but I will say this. Um, so we have a kitchen staff at our facility that we, they let us, you know, they welcome us into the dining room, um, especially during non COVID times. But, um, you, I've gotten used to a lot of their cooking and they actually make a really, really good Ropa Vieja and they make Ropa Vieja tacos. And so they're very, very, very good. And it's like right downstairs in this NFL training facility. Um, It's wild, but they're, they're excellent. And I, yeah, whenever I see that it's Ropa Vieja day, I'm like, (gasps) yes, (laughs) I like load up on it. I take more home for dinner.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. T- twice as nice. Twice as yeah. nice. Those vases. Gotta love it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, Carmen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. Uh, I know you're going to be busy over the o- over the coming months because, uh, you know, all eyeballs are on there. Where can people fi- put their eyeballs on your great work? <laughs>
1: Um, everything I write goes on buccaneers.com and then everything, uh, I, that comes out of my brain or whatever can be found on social media, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, depending on if you want to follow me, but it's Carmi V on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I'm slowly but surely getting into TikTok, so we'll see, but Ooh. I'm not going to necessarily pump that Twitter. And Instagram is great.
0: <laughs> You're going to, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, my kids are trying to get me to do TikTok, and I, I'm just, oh, we'll fun. see. We'll see. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I, I, I should be on it by the time this season rolls around just to, to have some fun, have the other outlet. So Great. Um, again, Carmen, thank you so much and everybody as just all for our show. Um, uh, Thanks again to anchor for being our hosting network and for making our independent podcast available to the family, the community also YouTube. Thank you. Please subscribe, hit the like, cause how can you not like Carmen? Uh, so it, it, again, uh, you know, you could get it. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and you can find original content, including a breakdown of this of, of this article in, in in the near future on FamiliaFFB.com. You can find me at JorgeMartinez17 on Twitter, uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find at FamiliaFFB, and don't forget our FamiliaFFB Facebook page. Carmen, otra vez. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And You're time. always a delight. I love, I, I, I love time. seeing your great success. I, you know, I do take one percent of, uh, uh, of responsibility, but you did this, mm-hmm. and and again, I, I always, I, and I love in this space being able to highlight women who are doing it in a in a so-called male-dominated world because uh, <laughs> you've done it. You're giving an example to my daughters coming, uh, coming behind mm-hmm. you. I don't know how many of them are going to want to get in the media, but I just want, I just love seeing uh, women getting out there and kicking butt and doing a great job. So, So thank you otra vez. And uh, gracias, gracias everybody for joining us. And remember, Todos Somos Familia.